Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Hello there and welcome. It's that time of the week again. Your long run with the Irishman running abroad podcast. Me, Jarlath Regan and our chosen charity partner, Jigsaw.ie. Well, what goes up must come down. It is a simple rule that applies to running too. And if you've experienced anything close to runner's high, you will no doubt come to a time when things don't feel so hunky-dory. Runner's low, runner's blues, or whatever you call it, can affect all of us. So who better to talk us through how to navigate them than the Irish Olympic legend, my coach and yours, Sonia O'Sullivan. Uh, On top of all of that, we'll have a review of our 5K in memory of Gillian Ryan on Sunday, a little update on my own injury woes, an update on the Running Home project, uh, some contributions from our live line in the email of the week. But first, Sonia, uh, in Oregon, it's your second week stateside at Nike HQ. How are things there? Yeah, my second. Well, I suppose I've had one full week and my first real weekend, you know, and a weekend is a real test of when you're in a new place, you know, because there's no real commitments to work to mm. do anything on the weekend. I suppose I don't normally appreciate the weekends or even the long weekend, as you were saying to me there before. Yeah. When, when you do work by yourself, but when you're actually involved in, you know, a Monday to Friday schedule, even though athletes do train on the weekend, it's normally not their session days. Mm. You know, you're left with two big days on the weekend. And uh, I was lucky enough to have um, a couple of lo- local friends who, I suppose people I, one, I definitely had kind of come across on Facebook down through the years and probably just the running connection. Yeah. Uh, his name is Dave Ross. And um, when he knew I was here, he got in touch and said, oh, let me know if you ever want to run. And you know, took me out to a very nice running park because, you know, you can always run from where you live or where you stay, but there's always much greater parks and forests and things to Yeah, explore. the local knowledge. The local will always yeah. know. And, you know, you just know there's great places to run. So we went to this amazing park. He came with his partner and picked me up on Saturday morning and we went to Forest Park. And, you know, now I'm in America. I've converted to miles again. <laughs> and we had a... A good 10-mile run, which Lovely. was beautiful, a Lovely. beautiful spot. And then on the Sunday, I connected up with a fellow Villanova athlete who, you know, was at Villanova many years after I graduated. But after we had a Zoom chat last week, there was a group chat for the Penn Relays, which is one of the really big events for Villanova athletes. Um, he also got in touch, Patrick Gazzini, and he's girlfriend and their dog, um, (laughs) Mulfi, and they wanted to know if I wanted to go and explore Forest Park as well. So they took me to another section of it on Sunday and we had a beautiful hike yesterday and that was my contribution and, you know, the time when, you know, I thought about Gillian Ryan and our 5K for the weekend, you know, I thought hiking in the woods was very appropriate Mm. and to just, you know, measure it off, get the map and join in with, you know, our whole community who got together on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, the community aspect of it was among the most beautiful things. Gillian's obviously gone, but definitely not forgotten. And the posts and all of the messages that we've received from people who did it, including uh, Gillian's sister, Patricia, and her brother and her husband. I mean, so many amazing posts. And just like we said last week, the community in this really overwhelmed me. And what's even 
more amazing to see. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Sonia, that the GoFundMe page that Colm, her husband, created last time I checked, it's for the Southeastern Mountain Rescue, was up at 22,000 euros. So a massive congratulations to everyone who has gone to the GoFundMe page and donated. You can still do that, of course, if you haven't or if you didn't get a chance to do your 5k over the weekend just do it just kick in something uh, column set this up to uh, support the people that return Gillian to the family and there was even one of the mountain rescue team taking part I think his name was Matthew Branch it was a very very special event and one that I'd hope we can do next year again at the start of May to remember Gillian but still still overwhelming Sonia how the impact she had on so many people's lives, the, like the same stories coming in again and again about this amazing woman. It It is amazing. And I think it's, you know, it just shows you, I suppose, how much we connect with people that sometimes we don't even know them. And, you know, because you're doing you've got we've all got a common goal and we all benefit from, you know, this running activity that we do wherever we are in the world. And, you know, really care about each other. And um, I had actually a, a short message this morning from Gillian's husband, Connor, and he just said she would have been overwhelmed by, you know, the response to this. And, you know, he said she used to listen to the podcast and that was, you know, she didn't couldn't be disturbed when she was listening to our podcast every week. And, and you know, the whole time it was a smile ear to ear. And, you know, I imagine that is what it's like for you know, most people out there, you know, it's it's something that they look forward to every week. And, you know, I suppose our podcast has become part of the running journey now for everybody and a special time of the week. Definitely. Certainly, I wouldn't be here without it. Uh, it does lead me nicely to Sinead Tynan, who sent us our email of the week. It reads, Hi, Sonia and Jarth. I was completely thrilled and it's inspired to run the Gillian Ryan Memorial with uh, Irishman Running Abroad today. I didn't know Gillian, but I had seen the back of her a few times at races around Tipperary. She had run at our local club, Moyne Athletic Club where Sonia had admired the cows when she came to visit last summer. Uh, at 9k, uh, Sinead says, I was really struggling. I think we all know that uh, 9k moment. And then Gillian came to mind. Uh, the privilege of what I was doing suddenly hit me. It gave me a boost. I needed to keep going and I wouldn't have achieved a PB today without this event. And my fabulous pacemaker, Sharon Cantwell, big shout out to Sharon. Thanks a million to you all. Now, she does throw in a really good question that we may as well just get to now while we have the chance. I have a question for Sonia after today. I've only recently started running 10Ks and I'm wondering how I should warm up for the race. If I go out cold in training, it's usually six or seven K before I'm feeling moving and strong. So today I went for a 4K warm up, hoping I'd be ready for a good pace from the start. Now I'm wondering, was the warm up too long? If that's why I struggle so much towards the end, I usually start a bit sluggish and finish very strong. But today I was completely spent at the end. My legs really know they work today. But what do you do, Sonia? That's what everyone wants to know. What does Sonia do to warm up for a 10k race? Love the podcast and the Instagram posts. I get an awful lot out of them. Keep the good work up. Thanks a million, Sinead Tynan. What do you say, Sonia? Well, yeah, the warm up is very important and it's something that I notice a lot at races, um, at park run. So many people just turn up and run and I'm amazed. And the thing I really find, you know, if I want to put in any kind of an effort, you have to get there a little bit early and go for a very easy jog. And, you know, when I do this, I would wear an extra layer of clothes. Sometimes I'll have long tracksuit pants on and a long sleeve t-shirt, particularly if it is, you know, anyway cold and just jog for 10 to 15 minutes and don't worry about how far you're going. You know, 10 to 15 minutes is generally enough. You'll be pretty chilly the first five minutes and then you sort of warm up into it. And then when you've finished that, then you can throw in a few fast strides. So you might do, I mean, my standard warm up is four times 20 seconds after I've done my 10 to 15 minute jog. And then that might include, you know, sitting down and having a bit of a stretch as well beforehand. So you really need to give yourself a good, you know, 
I say about half an hour before a race to be there, to be able to get yourself ready, to be able to take your clothes off, the ones, the extra layers that you have on. And then for some people to change your shoes if you need to change into some fast shoes. But the whole time you're thinking is, you know, it's a very easy pace and it's just about warming your body up. It's not, there's no concern about the pace, you know, this is not something that you're looking back on afterwards and, you know, worrying about the average pace per kilometer or anything like that. And I'd keep it separate to the race, you know, so you do your warm up and then you start again for the race. So we always say there's three parts to every good session. You do the warm up, you do the actual race or the training session, and then even a warm down, which is a little bit of a light jog afterwards to kind of ease yourself out of the hard effort and just kind of relax your muscles a bit. Because when you're running hard, you know, things can kind of tense up a bit. And especially at the end, if you're really getting tired and you're pushing hard, uh, maybe if you put in a bit of a sprint at the end, you know, you can really do something to your muscles that, you know, it stresses them quite highly. So you do need to warm down with a very easy jog afterwards. If it's a nice day and you're by the sea, you can go and walk in the sea and, and that helps as well. But the warm up, it's good to get a little warm up routine and to have that in your head and then to plan ahead to have the time to do it. And occasionally you might get there a bit late. So you might have to cut it short. So, you know, 10 minutes is plenty. But if you can do 10 to 15, then you will feel that you're fully warmed up and and ready to go. Super, super email and a super question, because it's just something that we all need to be reminded of over and over again. And also you can get lost. You can get a little bit sidetracked on these things, especially when you're running and racing to get down there to the park run. And then suddenly, like you say, you're suddenly putting on your your kit in the car and just taking off uh, as you get there. I need to give a shout out, though, to one particular person this week speaking of the park runs. I don't know if you saw this news story of Emer McKee, Sonia, a schoolgirl who shattered the world record with an astonishing run uh, at Down Pat Down Royal Racecourse. Emer's only 12 and she's a pupil of Our Lady's St. Patrick's College in Belfast. Now, this is going to make the the audience throw their hat on the ground. 12 years old, ran her 5k in an unbelievable 1640. And get this, this is the extra, this is the extra cherry on the cake. She fell. She even had cut both of her legs and still ran this time. You obviously saw this news story. And what was your response when you saw it? Yeah, no, it, it's pretty amazing. I'd say there's two things there now that got her going. When she fell, there was a huge shot of adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, I never thought got of that. Back up yeah. And back running again. And then, you know, when you're young like that, you're fearless and you're not worried about how fast you start off. And I'm sure she just went out there and just tried to beat as many people as she could and not worried about the time at all. You know, the time comes when you cross the line. So it's great to see it. And uh, I really hope Emer continues to enjoy her running and, um, you know, we, hopefully we see her one day on the stage, maybe on the on the big stage running for Ireland. But, you know, it is a long way to go, but it's just great to see, you know, such a young athlete, you know, going out there and, and running so well at such a young age. And I uh, hope she continues to enjoy it. Absolutely. I mean, that is one thing that came across uh, in the interview with her afterwards, that you know, people immediately start going, so will you will you be heading to the Olympics? And <laughs> I'm sure you got all kinds of questions when you exhibited talent early on. And I just loved that her response was, I'm just trying to enjoy it. You know, I am just trying mm. to have the crack with this. And <laughs> she certainly had the crack this weekend. Another group of four amazing Irish ladies who had the crack is the Irish Quartet who qualified for the Olympics. The Ireland's relay team sprinted to second place at the IAAF World Relays this uh, weekend. And Aoife Lynch, Kate Doherty, Sarah Quinn, Sophie Becker, definitely worthy, Sonia, of the shout out this week. What, what, um, like such a cool event. I'd imagine you were often a little bit jealous of the relay people because it's such a solo uh, enterprise that having the, the buzz of the gang must be amazing. 
Oh, the relays are great. When I was in college in America at Villanova, we used to do a lot of relays. And um, like the pen relays that I mm. mentioned there before was always a big buzz. And we used to do, you know, for distance runners, it's a rare thing to get on a relay and to, you know, have your teammate be working for your teammates and then celebrating with them afterwards was always a great thing. But we, we did get to do things like four by 800 meters four by 1500 meters and distance medley. So there was opportunities there. So we, I know the experience, I know what it's like, but you know, to be able to run in a relay at a world championships or Olympics is that would must be amazing because, you know, you're not there by yourself in the warm up and on the track. And then, you know, if you're successful afterwards, there's nothing greater than being able to share that success with people who, you know, are really close with you and that you've you've worked together to help each other along. So, yeah, it'll be exciting for the mixed four by 400 meters that qualified for the Olympics on Saturday to see their preparation going into the Olympics. And um, yeah, it's a new event, the four by 400 for mixed men and women. So new events always present opportunities and chances to do really well because they're not yet established and not I suppose you could say not not every country takes part and you know it's one more event for the sprinters in a country but um, it's one that Ireland you know has the opportunity to focus on and to, to do really well. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I really look forward to that and uh, I guess we need to uh, talk about, you know, the elephant in the room for me is the uh, update on my own injury situation. I had another visit with my physio, Kieran Cummins in St Albans here. And I don't know if it reveals, but it's certainly after the consultation, it, he feels quite confident that or certain that there's a stress fracture, unfortunately, in my left leg. And, you know, we're waiting and it's a slow wait here for a an x-ray but regardless of what the results of that x-ray are I, I need time off on the one hand this is great to know okay that's what's needed turn this negative into a positive and try and strengthen everything else and get back into the yoga and get myself solid so that when I do eventually get to run again I'll be ready but on the other hand it does throw up uh, our topic for today which is the runner's blues that I'm sure you've been there, Sonia, where it's a unique type of upsetment when this thing that you've grown to love so much is taken away from you. First of all, have you've obviously been there through the runner's blues yourself. What's the one time that stood out the most for you when you experienced this state? Well, I think what happens is I always visualize it. It's a bit of a roller coaster effect. So. You know, you can be going along flying and everything is fine. And then all of a sudden you hit a bump in the road. And you just lose all momentum of where you're going and and what you had. And, you know, it's how you react to that. And, you know, I was I always had pretty bad reactions. You know, if I was stopped in my tracks, I I really took it hard, I suppose, and would get quite upset. I mean, some of the times it was probably because it was such a big part of my life and such a huge focus that I didn't really have anything else to turn to. And then I would always have to look around and find something. And, you know, what am I going to do with myself now? And it was before, I suppose nowadays, athletes, they they don't really plan for being injured, but there's kind of methodology of what you do when you can't run. And I think also people tend to be more aware now. And this is what will happen with you now is that you're going to learn from this and, you know, you're going to think, right, I never want to be in this situation again. And and sometimes you do end up back in the situation, but you try hard to, you know, spot things early. And I think the sooner you can spot or be aware of things not being right early, then the quicker you can sort it out. And so then there's less downtime. And when there's, when there's less downtime, you're more accepting of doing different things like cross training, like just filling the time in your day that you would have filled with running with something else and something productive and something that's going to help you in the future. When this happens, 
you know, for the first time on a big scale, it just seems like a whole hole in your life because it's so easy to just put on your runners and run out the door. And now instead you've got to think, how am I possibly going to, you know, do something productive here with this hour that that I can do that's not going to, you know, make the injury even worse, but it's going to help the rest of my body and my mind more than anything else to, you know, be happy and satisfied and believe that what I'm doing is helping me and it's going to benefit me hmm. in the future when I when I when I return to running. Yeah. I mean yeah. It's everything you've described there, and I'm sure that loads of the listeners will, and loads of the listeners that have been in touch that, uh, like I say, we keep harping on this community thing, and a lot of people have a bit of a, a bit of a phobia to Strava, but I honestly don't know how I'd be doing were it not for Strava and some of the really supportive things that have been said. I mean, some people, even one woman, people may have seen her on their uh, fitness with Emer is what she goes by suggesting, you know, that she could have a look at my gait. She is a chi running specialist and uh, offering to have a look at how how I'm stepping and how how this might have been produced. Where obviously that's a bit further down the road and my head has been a little bit fried. I'll be honest with you, Sonia, because you go I find your mind will go places that you kind of can't control it, that uh, that sense of all of the work is lost. There's a bit of that, that, you know, the laptop's been stolen. There's uh, all all my all my essays are on the laptop and I've uh, and I can't get them back. Uh, And obviously they will. The fitness will come back. And, you know, this this is just a layoff and Perspective must be the first place that we go to here when we discuss how to deal with it. And Tina's been amazing that way, too. She's like, we're in a pandemic. I mean, keep perspective. Would that be one of your your tips on this to just widen the lens a little? Yeah, I mean, I think perspective is key here because it can become all encompassing and just take over. And like like I said, you know, it's like. It's the, the biggest thing that you think about and all of a sudden it's taken away, even though it's only oftentimes it's only an hour of your day, but mm-hmm. it just influences the rest of your day so mm-hmm. much. Definitely. So I think, you know, the key here is to, to refocus and to like I had to look at the calendar and this is what I would always have done. And, you know, you know, if you say, OK, worst case scenario, this is a stress reaction or stress fracture, then you said you haven't run properly since April, was it 13th? That's correct, yeah. So that's nearly three weeks ago now, I think. Mm. And so any bone stress injury generally takes six weeks to heal. Amazing. So you could have all the way up to the end of May and you should be healed. Wow. Now that that might seem a long way away when we're only just gone past the 1st of May, but it really isn't. You know, I mean, the time is going by so quickly these days and... You just have to think, okay, line in the sand, June the 1st will be when I think I can, you know, start back running again. And the most important thing will be to have a very conservative return to running plan. And Mm. I have exactly that plan for you. I mean, I'm an expert on this because I have done it many, many times. Brilliant. I will have to dig the plan out because there's a tried and tested plan that I have definitely used down through the years and passed it around to different athletes. So um, that's that'll be my job for this week will be to, to find that out. Well, that really gives me a lot of hope. I'll be honest with you. Hearing you say that is great. And I'm sure that we should sh- we should probably share that with the group, too, so that other people in the same situation can feel a little less bluesy about it. Because I think that that is one of the like what you've identified there is the line in the sand and the acceptance of we are where we are, that oftentimes I find our brains will run the same loop to use the running analogy. I don't know if you find yourself doing this, Sonia, if you have a problem, it's it can be hard to go. Right, that's that because your brain then goes, yeah, but that other thing and Jesus, that was annoying when that happened. But you've already dealt with all of that. <laughs> but your brain still wants to go around the track again. I find it so hard to just go, we've done the loop. It's finished now. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. That's in the past. 
now let's get focused on the future. I mean, someone like Ashling de Maison gets in touch from the Irishman, uh, or it's not the Irish, it's the Running Home project that we've talked about. We'll give a little update on how they're doing, which is an unbelievable project that we've mentioned in the past. And they're running this four week strength and conditioning program. And like you say, it was the perfect thing that I thought, oh, this is something we can grasp onto and go, right, there's four weeks available for this now. I know that you're signed up to it too, are you? Uh, yeah, I signed up last week and then I, it took me a while to work out how to get onto the app because I'm actually on the app with, with Train With Trevor sends me some running schedules still, which, you know, it really keeps me on track to have somebody tell me what to do running, you know, as much as I coach you and I coach lots of people out there. I still I still need to be told myself what to do. And probably the most important thing for me is for someone to tell me, you know, to take a day off or, you know, when I've traveled halfway across the world that I really only need to go for a half hour run, not an hour run. Because I'm very easy. I'm easily, you know, caught up in going out there and uh, and I need to run an hour no matter what. So if I have numbers and times and distances written on paper to stick to, and I've done that for the past year or so, and it's it's really helped a lot. But yeah, with the strength and conditioning, so I managed to get the program up and it's brilliant because it gives you a little schedule of the exercises to do. And then also a video of, you know, what the exercise is, because a lot of these you know, strength and conditioning exercises. And I think a lot of these on this program with runninghome.ie and they're raising funds for the homeless in Ireland. Um, You can give a small donation to get on the plan. You can do all these exercises at home. I don't think there's much equipment needed Mm. for them. A lot of body weight Uh, stuff. True True Coach is the app if you're looking for it right now and you're going, I'd love to get into this. And as Sonia said, it's a voluntary donation that you make. So it can be as big or as small as you can afford. Amanda McLoon is my coach. Is she your coach too? No, there's, um, I, there's another fella. In, I don't know who's my coach, actually. Maybe, yeah. I think they're all in it together. Yeah, um, no, I see there's another fella here. He's another Irish lad based in, in Australia. Yeah, I'll find his Australia, name. Yeah. Is it Dara? Maybe. That, that might be um, him. Yeah, so uh, yeah. The, the True Coach app is where you... You get uh, everything loaded up. But it's, like I was blown away by how easy it, it was to sign up. So please do uh, do it. It might be just a, a nice way to use May, even if you're not suffering from a stress, fra- stress fracture, just to to get this. Like I know from my own head, Sonia, that I thought that the positive I can do here is go, well, I've never really committed to strength and conditioning on this. I found it hard to to go right I'm do I'll do that as well. But there is a window here to establish some sort of new routines that can then be carried over through the rest of the year and as you say will stabilize the little muscles rather than the focusing on the bigger ones, the little ones that will stabilize stuff and prevent injury in the future. Yeah, and it's one of those things that when you decide to do a strength and conditioning program, you have to take your time and you have to learn the exercises and understand them. And like, I find it very useful to, you know, go to the local park and, you know, just get out of the house because, you know, if you're in the house, you're easily distracted. Whereas if you go to the park, you've specifically gone there, you find a bench to do the exercises with and, you know, you only want to be there so long. So it's like going for a run. I went out on the bike yesterday and did a little loop around, uh, not very far. And then um, that was my warm up and then started off with the exercises. Now you have to bring your phone so that you can see what the exercises are. But, um, you know, the important thing is not to get distracted by any other notifications or things coming in and to use that time as, okay, this is my gym time here now and everything else can wait. Yeah, okay, great. Well, then let's try and get as many people signed up to that uh, as possible. The next thing I wrote down here in terms of, because you're running blues and blues blues. I mean, they're not a million miles apart. Like, if you felt down, you you know, a lot of jigsaw.ie, our children's charity partners work, is teaching kids resilience and, you know, 
kind of mental toughness to navigate these natural lows. A couple of the things that I would have taken from them uh, over the years would be getting something down on paper, which could just simply be, you know, your commitment to do this. But even just writing down how you're feeling, it can sometimes deflate the balloon a little bit. Talk about it to somebody. Would you have gone along those lines that the second you share it, either on paper or with someone, the feeling dissipates a little bit? Oh, yeah. I mean, I find writing thing that writing things down, it just makes more sense. And it kind of um, it, it gives you a lot of perspective of where you're at and, you know, where you've come from and where you're going. And it's a bit like when I said there you pick out, you know, how many weeks rest you have to have and you go and you mark it on the calendar and you count back and then you work out how you're going to fill in those dates. So it's a combination of rest, recovery and then also doing something for yourself, you know, because we have to be active and we have to, you somehow go out there and you're trying to chase those endorphins that come so easily with running. You're trying to get them another way. And it can take a bit of time to really get into doing something like, you know, alternative training, like going on the bike. Like, I think we need to get you on the bike now. I think you should be strong enough to get on the bike and, you know, feel no, the, the thing is, you know, as long as you can do stuff and you don't feel any pain, then it should be okay to do it. Oftentimes with a stress fracture, you would take the first two weeks pretty easy. And, you know, if you were intensely training for Olympics or something like that, you would go in the swimming pool and just do pure, no weight bearing exercise. But I think you've got through that period now. So there must be some healing in there. And I think you're going to find if you go for an x-ray in an, in the next week or two weeks or, or a bone scan or whatever it is, you're going to see that this injury is healing. And so you're not going to get a true picture of where it was at. So that's often what happens with the physios at this point as well, is that the x-ray won't always show up a stress fracture, but it will show up this kind of fluffy stuff around the bone that says that it's healing. And as long as it's doing that, then that's a positive for you to keep going with the cross training. And so instead of going out on your bike and saying, okay, how far can I go now? Um, you know, we'll be trying to get you to find some flat section where you can go back and forth and do some efforts. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really up for that. Uh, yeah, and, and I honestly, I'm missing desperately the endorphins. I, I really think that that is, that is part of this. If you're injured listening to this, that some of the some of the blues can just be the brain chemistry of your brain being reliant on those endorphins and now going, hey, you promised me endorphins at five o'clock every day and I'm not getting them. I'm desperate to get up on the bike. And that was going to be one of my questions was I, I'm a little bit anxious about doing overdoing it. But you've answered that question. If it's if it doesn't hurt to pedal the bike, you're in business. I and do you have a, can you read your heart rate on your watch? I can indeed. Yeah. Is it, is it fairly accurate, you think? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to talk to uh, the boys at Apple about that. But uh, <laughs> I, I know you said that the strap around the middle is, is more accurate than the, the watches. There's a part of me that thinks that if you don't, if you have the, the little side note here, if you have the watch anyway, wriggly, if it's if you like wearing your watch loose, it's obviously going to be less accurate. But when I have it nice and snug on the wrist, yeah, I can I can keep an eye on it. So you're saying keep an eye on that for the efforts. Yes. And I think I suppose, you know, even if it's a little bit oftentimes when you have your heart rate measured on your wrist, it can measure a bit high. Really? But if you're if that's your standard, so, you know, it measures high, then you know, you'll have a kind of a consistent numbers to be looking at anyway, because you're only comparing with what you know. Mm. So, um, yeah, no, it would be worth going out there and, you know, going hard for, I'd say if you were out there today now, go for a bit of a cycle and then find a section where you can go flat out for five minutes. Okay. Where you don't have, to, where you don't have to cross any roads. You're not going to crash into any people <laughs> or dogs. Yeah. And just see what you can get your heart rate up to. Okay. 
I'll give it a go. Definitely. We could spend a lot longer talking this and I always have to emphasize this that we could obviously spend longer talking about this, but they uh, you've covered a lot there. One article I found that was particularly good if people are looking for more on this is runnersconnect.net. Amanda Loudon is the writer, has written seven ways to overcome runner's blues when you're struggling. And that's just one. I mean, there's there's so much out there and available for people. Sonia, I think we need to open the live line. Talk to Joe on 1850 715 815. Sonia, the first, uh, our first caller calling in today is uh, from Munster. (laughs) I'm not going to do Joe Duffy impressions every single time, but the temptation is real. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. Let's uh, play the first one. It's Noel Carr. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Sonia. Noel Carr here from Tralee, where I've been living for the last 30 years. I'm originally from the parish of Cana in East Cork, which Sonia will know well. When I heard Sonia talking about landing in the USA on last Tuesday's show, it brought my mind back to the 1980s, maybe 1986 or 1987. I was standing in a long queue for immigration clearance at JFK Airport in New York. I remember staring at all the people up ahead when I saw an immigration officer approach the queue. and Before you know it, he has unhooked the rope barrier invited a young lady on crutches to follow him through to what I imagine was an expressway through immigration and out of the airport. The young lady in question was none other than a very youthful Sonia O'Sullivan. I often wonder what Sonia's injury was back then and if she was on her way to Villanova that summer and what kind of reception she received from her new coaching staff. It has crossed my mind since whether, in fact, the crutches were just a prop and a way to get through without delay. Love the show. Keep up the fantastic work, which is enriching all our lives so much. Uh, Many thanks. Bye. Noel, I very much doubt that Sonia was using fake crutches to get through the airport. But I love that that thought crossed his mind. I wonder were those a fake pair of crutches? (laughs) I know. I mean, the thought didn't even cross my mind. I don't think I... (laughs) I have seen somebody do that more recently where they did have crutches. And they were going to get rid of them and they kind of thought, I know, I'll keep them until I get on the plane now. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. I've only ever got to jump the queue at uh, at uh, the uh, at emigration once. And it is a good buzz, I have to say. But I'd imagine, Sonia, you were you weren't in great spirits heading over there on the crutches and knowing that you were injured yourself. No, no, I, I really didn't know what lay in front of me at all. You know, I was going to Villanova to run and I couldn't run obviously you know getting picked up by the coach's wife on crutches in New York and she drove me to Villanova and you know I was definitely entering a bit of the unknown and uh, I wasn't there long and less than a week probably and they had the friggin saw out cutting I had a cast on my leg as well so I don't know why he didn't see that I <laughs> <laughs> missed that no the crutches were a necessity <laughs> But they took the cast off very quickly. It was back in the 80s, you know, and um, a stress fracture was a bit of a strange one back then. And it was treated like a a full on broken leg, Mm. which wasn't necessary at all. So the cast was taken off. And then because the worst thing when you have a cast on your leg or anywhere in your body, when you take it off, the whole muscle has weakened on your leg so you've got to build it all back up again and that's something that doesn't happen obviously if you don't have a cast on and you're doing exercises in the pool or on the bike you're maintaining fitness and and strength and you don't have that muscle I don't know what it is it kind of it's um it wears away I, I can't remember the word atrophies I think is the word they, that's they the word, I think, yeah. yeah and that isn't that so funny that this was actually a stress fracture of your own I didn't even realize mm. that that's what it was was going to be. But yeah, of course, it makes sense that I can I can picture those massive plaster of Paris that everybody a, used to get. Just so mm-hmm. you could get everybody to sign it. But obviously, oh, yeah, when I was when I was leaving Cove and, you know, was saying goodbye to all my friends. And I suppose that was the 
memory memory I took with me was everybody signing on my cast and um, you know wishing me well. Yeah, good luck <laughs> with was, the running. That was a postcard I was taking with me. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a lovely contribution from Noel, and of course, we'd love to get all of you uh, get get in touch with the show. Uh, we obviously won't get to re- do all of them at once, but the Irishman Abroad live line is zero zero four four seven five four three one double two double three zero. You can get that on Patreon if you want to see the number again or just rewind what you just heard. And listen to it again. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Just say hello or give us your story or your question. We have one other brilliant uh, message that I wanted to to play out from Sharon Nylon, who uh, raises some really good questions about women's sport and the coverage of it in Ireland. But Sonia, when I brought that to you, you were adamant that needs its own episode. And Sharon, we will get to that and we will play your message. And Sonia, we'll do a bit more research and really bring that out next week on the show. What do you say? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think it's a huge area. Women in sport, you know, getting more and more women involved in sport, but then also the the coverage of the women in sport and the appreciation of it and, and the support of it to make sure that these women, you know, get rewarded for their efforts and get recognized for their efforts because a lot of them are out there putting in the hard yards day in, day out and and often go unnoticed. Mm. Well, uh, one who hasn't gone unnoticed is my guest on Sunday, Emer Considine, Claire Camogie, football star and, of course, Irish women's rugby star. Her story's really something. Uh, if you missed it, it's worth going back because Emer wasn't a natural right away. In fact, it was her sister who uh, now plays AFL in Australia. She she was the one that everybody was giving all the praise to. And that forced Emer to work extra hard. And I put it to her that that might have been the key to her success. So that much more to that conversation. We even cover... P.E. as part of the Leaving Cert. Did you know that, Sonia? The P is now Leaving Cert subject uh, in Ireland. I didn't know that. And it was one of those things I always wanted to do P.E. when I was in school as a subject. You know, it sounded Mm. like it was. I'd love to do that. But I I think it's a bit more technical, isn't it now? And there is a bit more studying to do. And I actually listened to to your chat with Emer yesterday while I was in the park doing my circuits. And it was great. It's like you have... It's like you're there with somebody, I think, when you when you have a good conversation going on while you're doing your exercise. Absolutely. And I, I, it's how I got into podcast, to be honest, in the beginning. Now, uh, our final live line caller is Susan Ryan up in Donegal. Uh, I Donegal accent there. I don't know why I did that. But uh, Susan's a massive fan of the show and she has an incredible story of her own. She's raising 35,000 euros for Beaumont Hospital in a very unusual way. So we'll play that one out. Thanks, Charlotte, for giving me the opportunity to do the shout out on your show and tell you about our fabulous prize draw. We are pulling up our family home and a retired business hostel and campsite into this prize draw and it comes with £50,000 cash back so people can start new life in Southwest Donegal, either start the business or just relocation costs or whatever you want yourself. Um, the property sits on 1.59 of landscaped uh, gardens, a walled garden and a front product and it's absolutely beautiful. It's on the Wild Atlantic Way just outside Kelly Beggs. But on a more important note, we're trying to raise £35,000 sterling for Beaumont. We've already raised £15,000 uh, sterling and sold um, 31000 tickets with 70,000 tickets in total. The tickets are £10 each and the draw ends on the 14th of May. This is an amazing opportunity for somebody so I hope people um, log on to our Facebook page Prize Home Donegal or on to rafal.com r-a-f-f-a-l-l.com. Jared, I love the show, I'm a big fan listening to Sonia and Marion every week. It's keeping me well motivated during COVID-19 and I'm running away every week. Thanks very much. Keep it up. Susan, thank you so much. Uh, what an amazing <laughs> raffle that they're running there. As she said, the face you want to go Facebook Prize Home Donegal to find that and enter that raffle and in doing so raise vitally needed funds for Bowman Hospital. What an extraordinary thing. Uh, are there, are they 
house raffles a thing in Australia, Sonia? Have you heard about these? No, I've I seen one that keeps popping up. There's some house in Kerry that's getting... It's been it's been raffled for ages, for the, the, the whole of this year, I keep seeing it. Well, this house that Susan is raffling is... <laughs> oh, you should see house. it. It's the family home. It is an extraordinary prize. And as she mentioned, there's also cash with it, should you win it. So, I mean, the odds of, of winning this are much better than doing the lotto. So why not just throw a tenner that way? Uh, and Susan, of course, big fan of the show and a big supporter of all we do here. She is also a patron of the podcast. That's one way of supporting me and allowing me to make this podcast. And, uh, you know, the money that it costs to produce the show all comes from the generosity of our listeners. Patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. The price of a coffee each month, you'll get four episodes of the show, including the full length feature interview on a Sunday, a fully exclusive episodes of Irishman in America with Marion McKeown on a Friday. And now Tom Dunn uh, doing uh, reviews and musical recommendations on uh, uh, Thursday. So, so much for people to enjoy there. Nearly too much. I feel like I'm spoiling them, uh, Sonia, a little bit. Uh, you're you're also a patron as well, I should say as well. Uh, it, it really is the lifeblood of the show and I won't harp on about it anymore. But if you can afford to do it, you'll be paying for the people that can't. Uh, that's about it for this week, Sonia. How, uh, what's the plan yeah. there? Give me well, a... I'm just—I was just looking at this this home in Donegal that's been rented. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's got a lovely view. It looks fantastic. It's fantastic, uh, yeah, it really is. So uh, obviously, she's got another house she lives in. Yes, this is not this is not the house she actually is living in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this thing. Because when be... you first said it, I was thinking, where's she going to live? Ah, uh, yeah, no, she's uh, she's yeah. an amazing person, uh, Susan. She's all she's all sorted for somewhere to live. Um, Good. But uh, yeah, so that so that again, Facebook prize home Donegal. It's got the Sonia Sullivan seal of approval as a home. She says it's got a great view. So get over there and do that. Let me ask you, though, before we go, I'd love to hear more about what's going on. This week is obviously your first week of launching into uh, sessions and training. Is that correct? Like, Phil, can we get a, a rundown of what what the week is in store for you this week? Well, well, last week was a kind of an introductory week and just getting to meet all the athletes on the team. And, you know, they don't all train on the same days um, and at different times. So that's been really good. And I think it was a, it was a kind of a light week. I've got two days here actually in Port in Beaverton this week. And then I'm heading off to the mountains. Um, so I'm going to um, what's it called? Park City in Utah for some altitude training. Um, and the girls are already up there. There's one, two, three, four of them up there already training. And I'm going to join them on Wednesday for their first track session up there. Because when you go to altitude training, you have to take a few days easy to adjust to the lack of oxygen in the air. Mm. Now, I'm not I'm not being given any chance to get used to the lack of oxygen. I'm straight into it. <laughs> <laughs> But but I am only going to be standing there with the stopwatch, you know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be trying to get my own secret training in on the side, but I'll have to take a few days easy. So the high, um, let me ask so you real quick that, about the high altitude. Like, is it yeah. is it an absolute nightmare when you're up there to start with? Well, the thing with when you go to high altitude is that your normal day to day activities are difficult, and a lot of these high altitude places where people stay are ski villages, so they're built on a hill or mm. a mountain. And so if you're walking around the place, you generally are going uphill or up steps into these lodges. So everything in your normal life before you even do one step of running is difficult. So gotcha. it's, your fitness is being built up, you know, just doing normal stuff, just living. And then you have to ease into the running so that you don't overdo it because because there is a lack of oxygen there. You're automatically working harder with your easy runs and then with your you know specific sessions so um it's it's a it's a method of training that most you know top athletes use these days i did it a little bit when i was training i trained in falls creek in australia san moritz uh, in switzerland but they they were kind of levels of altitude where you could get used to it quite easily 
So where I'm going this week, I think it's around, it's over 2,000 meters. So that's about 600 meters higher than I would have trained at. So it's it's quite a high level of altitude. But the athletes, so they stay there and then they drive down about an hour down the mountain. So there's a lot of time and effort involved in this. And this is why, you know, international athletes, high level athletes, their training can take up all day these days is because, you know, they will go out of their way to sleep up high and live up high on the mountain. But then when they go to do their track sessions, drive down to a lower level so that their track sessions and specific sessions can be more effective because Mm. if you try to run fast when you're up too high you can't go fast and so then then your whole cadence and tempo is thrown because you physically can't go fast enough and if you do try and go fast enough you just wear yourself out so it's a bit of a fine balance to get it right and it works for some people not for others so here, so some of the athletes are going to the altitude, specifically girls seem to do really well at altitude and a lot of the, the male runners. So I'm going to meet Donovan Brazier today at the track and he doesn't go to altitude. He's an 800 meter runner and Raven Rogers, she's runs 800 meters and she doesn't really like it either. And then tomorrow I have Craig Engels who's a 1500 meter runner. And he doesn't go well at the altitude either. So I think people go there and they try it out. And if it doesn't agree with them, then they stay down low. Mm. And, and, and how you know, are they? Are they are, like, fi- final question, like, how, how do you find the athletes? Like, are they very, are they just, are athletes athletes? Are they the same as they were back when you were heading to the Olympics? Or do you notice any big change in, in them as people? Well, it's funny. I think people get an, impre- an impression of athletes by what they see on TV mm. and what you see from afar. And generally, when you meet athletes, they're just normal people. And, you know, I think you just treat them as normal people and then everybody gets along fine. And, you know, I mean, there's probably some athletes will have bigger egos than others and, you know, want to be treated well. But I think in general, distance runners are fairly low key. And they're just getting on with it. And, you know, sometimes they may come off a little bit as a bit standoffish because they're so focused on what they're doing and they're concentrating that True they don't enough. always have time to stop and talk to everybody. And you have to block out all that noise to be able to, you know, I suppose, you know, there's only so much time in the day. And, you know, if you're focused on training hard and recovering, you don't have time to stop and talk to everybody. So, you know, I think it's, all athletes are different, but yeah, no, generally athletes are just normal people out there doing what they love doing and, you know, doing their job really is mm. what they're doing. And, you know, you have to think of it, would you walk into an office and disturb someone if they were in the middle of something? <laughs> <True enough. laughs> and it's the same for athletes. You just have to respect them for what they're doing. And, you know, even as a coach, you know, you just let athletes get on with their warm ups, and then you wait for the right time to say you know, the right thing and to to help them out and and be encouraging. And, you know, that's what I'm there for is to, you know, be there to watch the sessions, but also to, you know, give input when when the time is right. And when you see that you can be useful and helpful and, you know, you don't have to be talking and shouting and yelling all the time. You're just there to as a support and and when you're needed. Well, uh, I can't wait to hear more. I'll be honest with you, because like I could easily do another hour just about that, choosing your moment, because as a parent, that's that's a big part of the job, isn't it? Knowing now is not the time, Charlotte, <laughs> do not yeah, well, approach him right now. Uh, you're right. Parenting and coaching, you know, they're they're parallels. Mm. They really are. And um, you can learn a lot from one to the other. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Well, well uh, I've got to go off and baby myself a little bit here and then get out on that bike and give it socks. I look forward to getting the training programme across. Of course, I'll sh- share it with everybody in the Strava group. I want to give a couple of quick shout outs to Zebrudia. Akapala, Seamus McAteer, Jan Hero One, I, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Neil McLaughlin, Eileen Gomez, Melissa Mannion, Ian O'Brien, Mark C, uh, Jessica Dealey, Michael Kelly, Anthony, uh, Mark Anthony Stacey, Dave Evans and uh, Simon Egan, who uh, celebrates celebrated his birthday yesterday. 
thank you all for being in touch with the kind messages around uh, my injury and uh, the really amazing messages I have to say in the in the group and to everybody that took part and raised money in memory of Gillian Ryan. It really is extraordinary. And the strength of our group was was her. I mean, she was the ambassador for it. I said it when I set up the event. She'd be the first signed up and she would be the first to offer kudos to everybody who took part. So let's pay that forward. Let's give a few more kudos this week in memory of Gillian. And, uh, you know, if you see someone do something cool up there, Stick it in the comments. Don't feel bad about it. She certainly wouldn't. And she always did that. Sonia, thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, Brian Connolly on production. Tina and Mikey make it all possible. And Brian Connolly is the man stitching it all together. I have to give Brian an extra shout. He's another child in the world and uh, juggling an awful lot at the moment. So big shout to Brian Connolly and of course Jigsaw.ie, our chosen charity partner. Uh, I'll talk to you next week, Sonia. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week. Have a great week. To relive your darkest moments, I can see no way, I can see no way. And all of the ghouls come out to play. And every demon wants his pound of flesh. But I like to keep some things to myself. I like to keep my shoes strong. It's always dark.